Hey guys, what's up? This is Relatable. I am Allie Stuckey. Thank you for listening. Uh, Today we're going to talk about stupid stories of the week. You guys really liked that episode a couple of weeks ago. I think it was called The Height of Absurdity. We're going to touch on just a couple of stories. I might be able to get to a few of the questions that you guys sent me on Instagram at the end of this. It just depends on how much time we have. Um, I am first going to answer a question that I got Uh, A few questions, actually, regarding the announcement that I made on Tuesday that I am pregnant. So the question that I have been asked is, how did you find out that you were pregnant and all of that? And I don't want to go like into super detail because I don't want to take up too much time and I don't want to bore you guys who are like, you said that you weren't going to talk about your pregnancy every episode because I'm not going to. But I do want to answer this initial question. Uh, So I actually found out that I was pregnant by going to the doctor, I, so maybe this is TMI, but I don't know, maybe we don't have TMI in this, on this podcast and in this relatable family. Um, I go to an endocrinologist because I have a thyroid condition. And so they were like, you know, let's just do a pregnancy test. And I was like, oh no, we don't, we don't need to do a pregnancy test. I'm not pregnant. And they were like, let's, let's just do one, you know, just in case, because, you know, if you happen to be pregnant, we'll need to adjust your medicine. And I was like, okay, I didn't want them to to do a test because even though I didn't think that I was pregnant, I didn't want to be, you know, kind of disappointed if I wasn't. So anyway, I didn't think I was pregnant. I didn't really think anything of it. And of course, as it turns out, I was pregnant and I was absolutely shocked. I could not believe it. Um, I surprised my husband. My husband, I found out in the morning and then my husband, he works pretty late. And so I was waiting eight hours. I was begging him to come home early. I was like, I don't feel good. Will you please come home early from work? And he was like, I can't. Uh, And so he got home and it was a little bit after his birthday. And so I I wrote him like a birthday card. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot to give you your birthday card on your birthday. Here's your card. And he was like, why are you so insistent upon me opening this and reading this right now? I was like, it's just, it's just really important to me. So he opened it and it was just, you know, saying nice things. And then at the end, it said something about him being a dad. And he was like, what? Uh, and so that was really fun. Of course, I wanted to tell everyone right a- right away. I have been dying to tell you guys. I have been, I think I've been kind of dropping hints here and there about how tired I am, how I never want to do anything. I don't want to work out. And of course, you guys see my Instagram stories where I am eating Chick-fil-A probably three times a week. I love Chick-fil-A whether I'm pregnant or not, but that has been my number one craving. Like I had Chick-fil-A today again. I think it was probably the second time this week. I just started indulging in Chick-fil-A breakfast. It's typically Chick-fil-A lunch. Um, because what happens is I don't feel good in the morning and then by like one o'clock I'm starving. And so what do I want? I want waffle fries and Chick-fil-A sauce and, uh, usually a grilled chicken sandwich. That's my go-to. Sometimes I get, uh, what is it? Southwest or tortilla soup. Sorry, that was dumb. Tortilla soup, Southwest chicken salad, and then like some nuggets or some fries on the side. I don't typically eat all of it. I probably could, but I don't. I just need some of that fried carb goodness. So that's been my number one craving. If I can even call it that, it might just be a complete lack of discipline. Uh, But now that I'm in my second trimester, I'm starting to feel 
a little bit better. Like I actually want to exercise. So I've been exercising a little bit. Like I don't want to eat absolutely terrible every single meal of the day. And so we're we're moving in the right direction. I'm not quite as tired as I used to be, although I do sleep like nine hours a night and if I laid down right now, I could probably take a nap, but it was way, way worse during my first trimester. Uh, Anyway, so it was really exciting. It was exciting to tell my close friends when we told them. And then, of course, it was great being able to tell you guys on social media. Like I said, I was dying to do that. The response has been so sweet. You never know what people are going to say on the internet. Uh, You just never know. I was really nervous, especially to put it on Twitter because people on Twitter are so mean. The things that they say are so disgusting and just crazy that I was like, I don't think that I'm mentally and emotionally prepared for all of this. But actually, I mean, I haven't read through every single comment, but people have been really sweet and really kind and really excited for me. So thank you guys so much for being so supportive. Uh, If you haven't listened to Tuesday's episode, I really encourage you to do that. I got a ton of messages from you guys, people who are struggling with infertility, who went through a miscarriage and or, uh, you know, pregnancy just for whatever reason is not in the cards for you. I got a lot of messages from you guys saying that Tuesday's podcast, that it that it meant something to you. And that means a lot to me because I wanted it to. I wanted you to know that even though I'm, I'm pregnant and I'm excited about that, that I empathize with or I at least sympathize with people that are in every stage of life, every stage of motherhood and potential motherhood and... Yeah, you guys are a part of this community and I love you. So anyway, I guess that's my I guess that's my entire story. We don't know the gender. Someone on Instagram told me to not find out the gender. We're going to find out the gender. I think it's totally respectable when people don't. Maybe on our next child, we won't find out until it's born. But on this one, I just want to know. The hard thing is right now is that my sister-in-law knows the gender. I had her like pick up an envelope. We're not doing some like huge big gender reveal or anything like that, but we are going to open it in front of my parents. But we already decided that that day was going to be on the 29th and we actually have to do it on the 29th for some scheduling reasons. And I'm dying to know. So it's going to be like a week and a half until I can find out. And knowing that someone knows besides the doctor that if my child is a girl or a boy, It's just, it's really eating me up inside. I want to know so badly. So speaking of gender, that's going to segue us into into this podcast. So speaking of gender, I want to talk about our first absolutely absurd story. And really, it's not just an absurd story. The, The episode that we did a couple of weeks ago when we talked about all of these crazy loony stories out there, uh, those were really just, um, Those were kind of lighthearted. We talked about the Lutheran woman pastor that was burning purity rings into an anatomical golden statue. Ridiculous. We talked about this, these students saying that veggie tails, vegetable tails were racist. Okay, that's just insane. These are a little bit more sad. And I know that either last week or the week before, we talked about this whole gender fluidity movement and what's behind it and the gen, uh, and the danger of it and the myths that are behind this whole idea that gender and sex are independent. So I don't want to rehash all of that, but There are uh, some stories that I want us to look at because I think this is an increasingly important 
topic. We hear about it so much, particularly from the left. It's shoved down our throats every day that if we do not accept this whole transgender movement, this whole idea that sex and gender are completely independent from one another, then we are wrong. We are bigots. We are bad. We are behind the times. I think it's perfectly logical and perfectly okay, not just as Christians, but as uh, common sense people in general, to ask ourselves if that is the way that we want to go as society, uh, as a society, to deny science and to deny reality simply because of a tiny group of people's feelings. So this article, it's so disturbing, but I think it reveals uh, a really especially scary part of this entire movement. So this was reported when I read it uh, by the Daily Wire. The The headline is 11-year-old Desmond the Amazing performed in drag at a gay bar in New York City. Uh, actually, I don't think that was a headline. That must have just been a line from it. Sorry. So this 11-year-old little boy, he dresses in drag. I've heard of Desmond the Amazing before, maybe some from some online video. He is like a celebrity in the child drag world. There is a world of children dressing in drag, especially little boys dressing like girls. And of course, I believe that this is the sexualization of boys in particular. If these little boys were girls dressing up in these skimpy outfits, wearing all of this heavy makeup and strutting in a sexual way on a runway or on a bar or whatever it is, we would be saying, well, that's weird. That seems like pedophilia. But for some reason, when a boy does it, when a boy dresses like a girl, when a boy acts in the sexualized manner and wears makeup and wears these skimpy outfits, we're supposed to celebrate it as progress. And that's exactly what happened at this bar. So this bar called $3 Bill, it's a gay bar. Uh, Desmond the Amazing, I guess, was hired to dance on stage dressed up in drag. He was dressed as Gwen Stefani, of course, he had his makeup on. He was dancing to some kind of song. And here's the really sick part. Uh, the patrons at this bar, these gay men, I'm I'm guessing they were at a gay bar. They were throwing $1 bills at him. One patron actually walked out and reportedly said, that was really disturbing. And I, you know, don't know what to think of it. Yeah, because you're like a normal person and you don't, you're not a pedophile. This is pedophilia. This is the glorification of pedophilia. Conservatives have been warning about this for a long time, that this whole gender fluidity movement, uh, starting as young as five and six years old, we have parents saying, oh, my child identifies as a boy, even though he she is biologically a girl. My child identifies as the, as the opposite sex. I'm going to let my child uh, choose their gender, and we're even going to go into uh, uh, gender-blocking therapy or whatever it is. We are going to allow this child to transition because they identify as something different. Well, conservatives have posed the question. I posed it the other day on Twitter. I'm not the first person to ask this question. Um, if a child, if a child like poor little 11-year-old Desmond or any other child has the mental capacity, has the autonomy, has the control to say, I am not a bi, I, I might be a biological boy, but I identify as a girl and I'm going to dress like a girl. If they have the ability and the authority to choose their gender, then why don't they have the authority to make other very significant life-changing or uh, life-altering, I guess that's the same thing. I was trying to look for a different word. I couldn't think of it. Life-altering sexual decisions. So why couldn't they, for example, why couldn't Desmond say, I'm in love with this 40-year-old man. Love is love. I, I feel this way. 
I have the capacity, I have the ability to choose who I want to love, so I'm going to love this person. Why isn't he allowed to say that, but he is allowed to say, well, my gender doesn't correspond with my sex. Both are very significant decisions. And of course, people on the left would say, well, gender identity and expressing your true self through your gender uh, isn't the same thing as choosing to sleep with a man. I'm not saying it's the exact same thing. I'm saying they are both big decisions that are sexual in nature that I think take a, a level of maturity and a level of forethought, both of them, to be able to make in any kind of logical way whatsoever. And yet, we are okay with saying yes to the fact that this little kid can dance on a bar and dress and drag and say that he is a girl, but we're not okay with him sleeping with a 40-year-old man. My question is why? And my assertion is that it is going to slide in that direction, that we are not going to be able to any longer logically contend that a child can choose their gender, but they cannot choose who they want to love no matter what age they're, uh, the person is that they want to love. We're just not going to be able to do it anymore. There is a push for the normalization and even the glorification of pedophilia in this child drag transgender movement. And here's how the logic goes. So if you believe that gender is independent from sex, so gender is something that we choose. Gender is just a social construct, and I can decide, even though I am a biological girl, that I, I want to be a man. And if I identify as a man, it's just how I feel then I am a man. So if we buy into that, if we believe that gender and sex are completely independent, that they vary independently, that they really have no correlation whatsoever, then of course we believe that a child can choose their gender. Why not? If they're completely independent, then why wouldn't we say, of course, a five-year-old can choose their gender. It doesn't matter what their anatomy is. They can choose their gender as young as they want to because those things are completely independent. And if a child can choose their gender, why can't they choose other things? Why can't they also choose who they want to love? Why can't they also choose uh, to be with an older man or an older woman? Why can't they choose to be with anyone that they want to be? That's the line of reasoning that we're seeing. It's already happening. So when, when leftists say that there's no correlation whatsoever, that that's completely absurd, that that's a slippery slope fallacy, all they're doing is diverting away from the logical connection that these two things have. No one is actually willing to answer that question, that if they have the capacity to do that, why don't they have the capacity to do this? And we're already seeing through this horrible story, uh, through Desmond the Amazing, that that is exactly what is happening. The sexualization of little boys, that is not something to applaud, that is not something to say, yay, that's cute, that's awesome. These parents, these parents of this poor 11-year-old boy should be thrown into jail for child endangerment. They should. This is child abuse. He is an 11-year-old boy. He has not even gone through puberty yet. His mind isn't even close to being fully developed, and he is being exploited. He is being objectified by his parents who want to make money from his disorder. He has gender dysphoria, and his parents are exploiting his sickness. They should be locked up for that. I feel terrible for this boy. I feel absolutely terribly. He should be um, in counseling. He should be getting help. And he will probably never recover from this. He will be haunted from this. I don't care if you are a girl or a boy um, being, uh, being objectified in this way. Someone older men throwing dollar bills at you while you dance around scantily clad at a bar when you are not even a preteen yet, that's traumatizing. That, that's not okay for anyone. 
I don't understand how these parents are safe from law enforcement. I just don't understand. And yet we, we are the ones who are bigots. We are the ones who are wrong for bringing this up and for asking these questions. We are the ones who are crazy. Never mind the fact, never mind the fact that there is no solid science whatsoever behind this theory that gender and sex are independent from each other. But but we're the bigots for even bringing any of that up. Um, Miss Spain, I think that's who it is. I don't even remember her name. She was competing in Miss Universe. She is the first ever transgender contestant. And she didn't win. She was in an interview. I'm not going to play it for you because it's in Spanish. And most of you are just listening to this. So, and you're not watching. So it's not going to help. So I'll summarize what she said. Uh, She was asked by the interviewer. I actually don't even know exactly what she was asked. But she was saying that uh, she is a woman. That she actually said, she said, you don't have to have a vagina to be a woman. And or she said, having a vagina doesn't make me a woman. I am a woman up here. And she pointed to her brain. She said she was a woman before she was even born. Um, Because she feels like a woman, she thinks like a woman, and that is what makes her a woman. And we are supposed to applaud this. You had people all over Twitter saying, yes, girl, yes, this is so good. This is what we need. This is equality. This is progress. And I just want to know how validating insanity is progress. How is that loving? How is that kind? How is that compassionate to feed into this kind of delusion? Like I said, there's no science behind it whatsoever. People want to say that there is. But as I said on this podcast before, a really good way to figure out if something is universally true is to see if it has been true throughout time and throughout varying cultures. The inherent difference between men and women Um, The idea that biology actually affects behavior, actually affects preferences, actually affects how uh, you act and the things that you want to do, the things that you are inclined to do, that has been seen in every single culture throughout history for all of time. The differences between men and women are not just biological, they are inherent, they are behavioral, and that has always been seen. This is how I know this. There has never been a matriarchy, never. A matriarchy has never existed, not in the East, not in the West. Now, you would think if gender, as they say, is just a social construct, if the way that women act now uh, compared to how men act now is just a social construct, that it's not inherent at all, then we would be able to find somewhere throughout history where women ruled, where women were the more aggressive ones, where women were going out and hunting, where women were laying their lives on the line for their territory, where they were going out and conquering and men were staying at home and taking care of the families, that has never happened. Never happened. You cannot find a legitimate anthropologist who would say that there was any kind of stable or real matriarchy to speak of. Now, there was this movement uh, in second wave feminism that said that there were matriarchies, but that's been completely discounted now. So here is an excerpt, and this is from Wikipedia, so you can take it as you will, but they have sources in this, so it's not just complete jargon. Um, So just listen to this, but know that it's from Wikipedia. Know that I'm not reading from an anthropology book. Take it as you will. So this is an excerpt. Um, And they are, like I said, there's sources to all of this. Most anthropologists hold that there are no known societies that are unambiguously matriarchal. According to J.M. 
at Ovasio, Olga Stauffer, and Jake Page. No true matriarchy is known actually to have existed. Anthropologist Joan Bamberger argued that the historical record contains no primary sources on any society in which women dominated. Anthropologist Donald Brown's list of human cultural universals includes men being the dominant element in public political affairs, which he asserts is... Uh, is the contemporary opinion of mainstream anthropology. There are some disagreements and possible exceptions. A belief that women's rule preceded men's rule was, according to Haviland, held by many 19th century intellectuals. The hypothesis survived into the 20th century and was notably advanced in the context of feminism and especially second wave feminism. But, but, the hypothesis is mostly discredited today. Most experts saying that it was never True. Never true. And these are not some conservative activists. Matriarchies have never existed. If they even tried to exist, they would fail. So the fact, the fact that men have always dominated, that they have always done what they are still doing, they have always laid their lives on the line, they have always sacrificed for their family, sacrificed for their society, they've always had some kind of drive in them to start wars, to be the aggressor, to protect uh, their own, and women have been the caretakers, they have been the nurturers, they have been the nourishers, they have been the gardeners, they have been the gatherers, the, the caretakers, that means that there is something inherently different between men and women. We've talked about the extremely egalitarian society, at least legally, of Sweden, in which there are extremely generous uh, 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 parental leave systems there. And so men and women have equal parental leave. And so they see that as, you know, a, a huge win for egalitarianism and gender equality there. Well, there is still a huge disparity between how much men make and how much women make in Sweden. And that is because women tend to stay at home in Sweden. 75% of the parental leave that is taken is by women in Sweden. Uh, so you can't tell me that this is a social construct that is exclusive to America and exclusive to our sexist system. That's just not true. Men and women choose different things. And so when people try to push this idea on you, which is really just the beginning of the entire avalanche of this whole gender mess, they try to push this idea on you that just agree, just agree with us. They say that gender and sex are independent, that they're not the same thing, that uh, gender is something completely different from sex. Say, no, that's not true. That That is not true throughout time and, and, and throughout culture. That's just not true that, that sex and gender... Uh, very independently. It's, it's just not true. So no, gender insects are very closely connected. They are basically synonymous. They might have different technical definitions, but they attach to each other in almost every single case. And yet we are uh, rewriting our entire moral landscape. We are rewriting our language based on this tiny percentage of people who unfortunately suffer from gender dysphoria. They deserve our compassion. They deserve our respect. They are made in God's image. They are valuable people that deserve um, all of our love and our attention. And we uh, need to give them the help that they need. They need to be seen. They need uh, to be heard. And yet we don't need to validate this uh, dysphoria that they suffer from. And we certainly don't need to rearrange our entire uh, morality and all of our principles based on their dysphoria. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But of course, this is transphobic. People are getting uh, kicked off Twitter for saying that men and, are men and women are women because it completely dismantles uh, their whole idea. And I, as I've talked about 
in the past, this is what they think is going to even the playing field. This is what they think is going to make society egalitarian, that if men are more like women and women are more like men, uh, then there won't be any disparity. There won't be any abuse. There won't be any discrimination, but we're all just be this amorphous blob of nothingness and gender will no longer matter. Well, that's not going to happen because biology doesn't change and science doesn't change. Um, So those are two of my absurd stories. I think I have one more absurd story, but I didn't write it down. So I don't remember what it is. Instead, I am going to explain something. I'm going to answer one of your questions that I have or that I've gotten and I've gotten it a few times. Now, most of you know the answer to this question. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about, by the way. This is just a question that I've gotten. Um, Most of you know this because you message me all the time about being a trash person. Um... I say that I'm a trash person. A lot of you say that you're part of my trash family. One of you messaged me about my trash baby, which I'm not like totally down with saying that yet. I'll probably get there. And But people have asked me, what is a trash person? Some people are like, I'm offended by that. I'm offended that you call yourself a trash person. I don't want to call myself a trash person. Uh, I totally understand. You might not be a trash person. I am a trash person and it's not a pejorative. It's not a bad thing. It's actually... A good thing, I think, in my opinion. Now, a trash person is the kind of person that's going to go to the grocery store in sweatpants and cat socks, tennis shoes, and an unmatching pullover with your hair on top of your head and no makeup. That's a trash person. A trash person is someone who like just doesn't care. It's not literal garbage. <laughs> like it's not literal like dumpster diving. My it's not like my house is disgusting. I'm a trash person and then I just like I just like don't care about things. I don't really care about the finer things. I wouldn't call myself sophisticated in that way. I'm just a trash person. It's kind of hard to explain. Like I did this whole segment on an episode once about my college dorm room and how my college dorm room was just like a, a trash person dorm room. Like, I I don't know. We didn't care what bedding we had. We didn't care what was decorated. I'm also just really bad at decorating. That's definitely a sign of a trash person. Um, And how today people spent like thousands of dollars hiring a designer to design their freshman dorm room. And that's the opposite of trash person. Fashion bloggers, opposite of trash people. Organized people, opposite of trash people. So you might not be a trash person and that's totally fine. I just am a trash person. It really comes down to just like not caring about things. Does that make sense? You just don't care about the little stuff and you don't really care about what people think. That's what being a trash person is. So I have a trash person t-shirt that I am selling and I think it's shopify.com slash Allie on CRTV, LOL. That was before the merger. I think that's what it is, but it's actually in my LinkedIn profile in my, um, in my Instagram profile. So you should go, if you want a trash person t-shirt, I'm thinking about making like a trash person mug, but you guys use the term trash person so much. My question, or someone asked me like where I got this, I don't know. I don't even think I came up with it. Like it's different than a garbage human. Does that make sense? A garbage human is a bad person, just like a morally bad person. Chelsea Handler is a garbage human, you know? Kamala Harris, garbage human. Trash person is endearing. I hope that makes sense to you. So if you want a trash person t-shirt, you should go to the link in my profile that is 
on Instagram. You should get yourself a trash person t-shirt and then we can all wear it together. Maybe I'll even have like a meet and greet one day and we all wear our trash person t-shirts. It'll be really fun. Also, if you are going to SAS in Palm Beach, Turning Point USA, I will be there tomorrow speaking at 9 a.m. I'm not going to be there for very long. I am coming right back home after that. So if you are there on Thursday night, if you are there early Friday morning, come say hi to me. I would love to meet you. Love to get a picture with you. I'm really excited to see you guys. If you're not going, that's totally fine too. As always, if you want to invite me uh, anywhere that you are. So if you are a part of a Republican group in a certain city, if you speak uh, or if you are on college campus and you're part of a Republican group there, the head of the group can reach out to me and can invite me to come speak and we'll work out the logistics with all of that. People always say, come to my city. I have to actually be formally invited. It's this whole thing. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Uh, So anyway, I hope that you guys have an awesome Christmas. I will be here next week, but not until Thursday. So there won't be a podcast on Christmas. There will be one on Thursday. And I hope that you guys have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful time with your families. Try not to get into any, you know, political disagreements or anything like that. It's just not worth it. Just love each other. Okay. Merry Christmas. Love you guys. See you next week. (laughs) 